Good morning, Grace Place Church family. Online, grateful that you're here today. God has something in store for us today that's, that's very, very special. My assignment today is to talk to you about Mary and Bright in a coming through a year that has not been very merry and bright. A passage of scripture the Lord really laid on my heart to share with you is found in Job chapter 19, beginning at verse 25. The book of Job kind of fits the year. The, the series title, Merry and Bright, may not, uh, in your mind, fit the year for all the things that have happened and taken place. If you have your Bibles, open them with me. Let's look at Job chapter 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. You may have felt like you've had a disappointing year and, and things have uh, been extremely difficult for you and your family. Uh, some have gone through deeper, more darker crisis situations than others may have, but all of us have been through a terrible storm here in 2020. But I can assure you that whatever you've gone through, you didn't have as bad of a day as Joe had. Uh, there was a, Joe was in a group of paratroopers that were training uh, for their first jump, <clears throat> and the instructor gave them the last-minute instructions that he's given over and over again, and they were listening very intently since it was their first jump. He said to them, after, the ju- after you jump, he said, count to eight and pull the ripcord. If for some reason the chute does not deploy, pull the backup parachute cord. And after you reach the ground, a green truck will be there to return you uh, on the the return trip to the airfield. So when it came time for Joe to jump, uh, he did exactly as he had been instructed. After counting to eight, he pulled the ripcord, but the parachute didn't open. And so he immediately pulls the backup ripcord, but that parachute did not deploy. Whereupon... In deep disappointment, Joe says to himself, with my luck, the green truck won't be there either. (laughs) What reason do you and I have to be merry and bright in the season that we've come through and the year that we've come through? Several times during this pandemic season and season of social unrest, uh, I had thought I had reached an all-time low uh, as, as a pastor and exhausted and tired and, and trying to figure out how to deal appropriately uh, with, with each of these situations and address them. And uh, every time I thought I'd reached the lowest point, it turned out there was another basement. And perhaps that was your situation as well, what your experience. But even in these uncertain times, even as dark and as difficult as 2020 may have gotten at one time or another for me personally. I've found hope and confidence. I've found joy and light. And you too can find that as well. Here we are in 2020, and in just a handful of days, uh, the calendar will turn, 
And we will wonder what 2021 is going to hold for all of us. There is one thing that we would love for 2021 to hold for all of us, and that is certainty. Certainty is something that we would all pay good money for. If we could just find something coming out of a difficult year filled with uncertainty, you know, coming into this year with certainties, knowing that there are, there are guarantees, um, we would pay good money for that. We would do a lot of things to, to get that. And yet, because we are human beings and we are subject to time and all that is going on around us, it is uncertainty that is what we hold in common as human beings. We don't know what today or tomorrow is going to hold for us. But the good news for those of us who walk with Jesus is that we know who holds today and holds tomorrow. Now this fellow Job was very certain about his relationship with God and certain about his soul and certain about you know, the God that he loved and he served, and it's repeated over and over again in the book of Job, we see how certain he is about God. And he was certain about God in a time of great uncertainty, and when uncertainty really ruled the known world that he lived in. The primary two questions that every lawyer will ask and once answered before he represents his client are these two questions. What did you know and when did you know it? What did you know and when did you know it? These are two great questions that we might ask the author of Job uh, these very same two questions because the main character in the book evidences an unusual knowledge of God's program for someone who lives so early in that program. Long before the Savior, the uh, object of this particular revelation is going to appear on the pages of history of Scripture. It is, a, it is profound. It is prophetic. It, it, it speaks to exactly what was unfolding in the time that you and I are about to celebrate the Christmas season. And yet Job lived long before that. In fact, if you were to put the books of the Bible in order, shortly after uh, Genesis chapter 1 somewhere, you would find the book of Job. Very, very early in the scriptures, we learn about this man Job. And yet he was so certain, and he wasn't carrying around a Bible like you and I. He wasn't carrying around a library of information. He couldn't sit down at his laptop and pull up messages and sermons and study theology. While Job was still working out his theology, he was certain about his God. Job also makes a bold reference to uh, the issue of, of God and his certainty that God, he knew him and that the God was going to redeem him. The God that he knew loved him and would redeem him. It was his foremost conviction. And he begins it with those two very profound words that in the English language we use uh, very rarely, really, because there is not often much that we know for certain. And here is Job using these words to begin the passage that we're looking at today. I know that my Redeemer lives. God's revelation to man did not begin with 
one huge data dump telling Adam everything that he needed to know about the divine person and the plan and just giving it all to him at once. No, we don't see that in Scripture. That would be kind of overload, overwhelming, uh, and, and it was something that God recognized that the revelation of himself being revealed to man must come uh, in, in increments and must come over time. And so uh, in, in the case of, of Adam, he didn't get a data dump. And so, uh, you know, he was just learning about God as he was walking through this relationship. The Bible describes uh, Revelation as, as being incremental in, in its processes and, and over countless generations. So consequently, Noah didn't know as much as Abraham uh, who didn't know as much as David, who didn't know as much as Paul in the New Testament, one of the New Testament writers. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes frequent references to the gradual unfolding of information uh, earlier uh, generations. And, and he especially in his letter to the church at Ephesus, he calls it a mystery that is being revealed over time, that mystery uh, being about Christ, the Redeemer, the one who would turn the tables on the enemy and make a pathway for you and I, the gift that we celebrate at Christmas. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, uh, God made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, 3, the mystery made known to me by revelation. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden to God. But Job was on a fast track in his understanding and knowledge about God relationally. His experience with God makes Job certain of God's reliability. And the Hebrew construction here of the statement is emphatic, the one we read a moment ago. The only such use in all of the book of Job, like adding an exclamation point, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And there is something that needs to be understood, I think, about us this morning. There are some things that can transfer by teaching and preaching. But there are some things that transfer by relationally walking them out. This is what put Job on a fast track. Job had confidence based on his experience in his relationship with God. This is what maturity in God really looks like. And it's funny to me how that we only time that we're tempted really to, in our walk as Christians, to mistrust God is when things don't go as we planned, as we hoped, as we demanded, as we wish. Then at that point, we're tempted to call God into question. But when Job faced adversity, his wife encouraged him to doubt God and to look for another God to worship. This God's not working out. Uh, things are going from bad to worse. I suggest you curse him and move on and find another God. And Job's response to her shows something not of intellectual learning alone. Not that, that he had a profound preacher that preached this into his life. But Job's response in Job chapter 2, verse 10 shows that Job walked with God relationally and understood by virtue of relationship something that those around him did not. Shall we, he says, indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? <laughs> relationship makes all of the difference 
It was where he was able to say, and he shall stand at last on the earth. A long time before Zechariah prophesied that Jesus would stand at last on the earth, on the Mount of Olives, and they would split. Let me read that to you out of Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3 and 4. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, and he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, and half of the mountain shall move towards the south. Job was not just confident. He was not just fearless in his time and in his beliefs. But Job was certain about his beliefs. He was confident about what he believed about God. And it came through virtue of relationship that he had with God. I know him. And he says later in the passage, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 is a passage written in the New Testament that Job had an understanding of in the Old Testament long before God's program fully unfolded and the mystery of Jesus was revealed. Here's what Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Jesus teaching the Beatitudes. You may remember, blessed are the pure in heart, say it with me, for they shall see God. <laughs> You know, when you have a relationship with someone and you know them, you know certain things about them that are, are unique to them. And Job had a walking, uh, personal relationship with God that he knew God wanted him to see him. God wanted to be seen by him. God wanted to reveal himself to him. God loved him and he cared about him. And Job knew this, not because he had a library of, of books about the Bible, but because he had a relationship that gave him the confidence. What did he know? The lawyer asking again, Job, what did you know? He knew his Redeemer and ours lives. He knew it. He knew that God will stand and rule on the earth even before Zechariah prophesied that this was going to happen. He will see God with his own eyes was the third thing that Job knew. I know my Redeemer lives. He's going to redeem me. He's going to stand on the earth and that I am going to see him with my own eyes. And then the lawyer might ask uh, Job, Job, when did you know that? When did you know these things? By what reason did you come to understand these and be so certain about these things? Well, the earliest description that we have of Job is found in Job 1 verse 1. And it's God's opening description, really, of Job. It says, that man, speaking of Job, was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. The moment... Job surrendered his life to please God and to live for God. That's when he became certain 
about these things. He knew them for sure because his surrendered life walking with God knew that God was good and that God was a provider and a redeemer and a savior and full of grace and a just judge and that God would, would uh, take care of needs that would arise in his life. Job was confident because he relationally knew God, not just intellectually. And here's a testimony of those who belong to God, and it's summed up in Job's last statement. It's not only Job's statement, but for all of us who walk with God and have a, a connection and deep personal relationship with God, we say this in chorus with Job, this very last line. Read it with me. How my heart yearns within me. One more time. How my heart yearns within me. He is my joy. He is my light of my life. And outside of Him, there is no true life. Outside of Him, there is no lasting love. Outside of Him, there is no source of joy that extends beyond this moment. Outside of Him, there is no light to guide me through darkness. Outside of Him, there is no hope beyond the grave. And so He alone guides me through the darkest seasons. He's light and He's joy in every aspect of my life, no matter what happens or takes place. The question then comes, how hard is it to live for God? There are people who are struggling with that question, who are Christians or pre-Christians or people who've been walking a little while with the Lord who are saying, how difficult is it really to serve God? How hard is it to live for God? And Job's testimony is interesting about that question. If you were to ask Job, how hard, Job, was it to live for God? Job's testimony would say it's easy to live for God. You, what I've found in my walk and relationship with God is you can live for God when friends are not faithful. You can live for God without a wife by your side. You can live for God without children or grandchildren. You can live for God without wealth or title. You can live for God without your health. You can live for God without your youth. And on and on Job would go to tell us how easy it is to live for God. Why would Job think and be certain that it's easy to live for God? Because Job had a relationship with God. He had a personal relationship with God that saw him through the questions, the doubt, and the difficulties that come our way during adversity and trials. What do you know about God? What are you certain about in terms of who God is? What do you know and when did you know it? When we struggle with our faith, something is revealed in that struggle. Something that we need to examine and take a look at in our own lives. When we're struggling in the midst of difficult trials and in long seasons, of darkness and crisis. There's something that's being revealed that we need to look at, and that is our uncertainty. Our uncertainty. God wants to move us from being uncertain to being certain. To being in a place like Job could say, the Lord gives 
and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He is consistently God. He is my God, and He will always look out for my best interest and the best interest of all those that He's created. I trust Him no matter what I see with my eyes, no matter what I hear with my ears, no matter what I feel in my body, I trust Him alone. We can all be certain about that relationship with God, just like Job was. Religious living, acts of kindness, good deeds, practices that show benevolence are never going to provide certainty. Job was still working out elements of his theology when his friends came to visit, but the certainty of God had already been rock solid in his life. Why? Because Job knew God personally through relationship. And this is the story of the faithful. Paul told it to Timothy uh, later in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Reading first from the New King James Version, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But I like the way this passage reads out of the Living Bible as well. Here's how it reads. Paul saying, that is why I am suffering here in jail. And I am certainly not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to safely guide all that I have given him until the day of his return. A certainty that comes from our walk in relationship, not just our intellectual understanding. It's important that we have both. We are not just walking blindly in a blind kind of faith as Christians. We have uh, facts. We have an empty tomb. We have a risen Savior. We have the testimonials of prophets that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. We have the proofs of intellectually to look at and to examine. We have the documents. But we also must have the heart relationship. Trusting him, believing him, that no matter what you have been through, no matter what you're going through in this moment, he's big enough to take care of you and to walk you through to freedom. What I want to do in closing um, this morning is inviting you to that level of personal relationship, some of these things that we must learn are caught by teaching and preaching. And it's important that we are gathered together for those kind of situations to happen. I was thinking um, about Austin Canary and his recent graduations and master's in, uh, degree, and we're proud of him and all that he's accomplished, but there are things that have to be learned in the classroom. They, they need to be understood, studied out, read, dug into. But then I also realize how much, how important it is the learning that's taking place experientially in our walk, in our, in our everyday life. And with God, it's true too. We walk with Him. We talk with Him. We have a personal relationship with Him. And we are learning about Him and growing up in Him. If you feel like your, your growth has been stunted somewhat in 2020, has it been because you haven't been walking daily with him in relationship? 
Have you, have you neglected the time spent with him that can bring transformation? So I want to allow some time this morning for you to make a personal decision about making Jesus Lord and leader of your life. It's not a one-time thing. It is making Jesus the best friend of your life. So from this day forward, you're consulting him every day. You're talking to him every day. You're learning about him every day. Your existence and reason for living is about what his uh, purpose and mission is for your life. To glorify him and to praise him becomes the reason that you are here. Heavenly Father, we come to you, inviting you to be Lord and leader over all of our lives. God, we are so inspired as we read about men like Job and how that they knew with certainty who you were. Lord, not just because they knew it intellectually, but they knew it because they walk with you, talk with you, and have a personal relationship. And we long for that. We long for that personal relationship. Forgive us wherever we have neglected spending time with you on a daily basis, Lord, by reading your word or praying and, and inviting you into the circumstances of our life, leading our families to look to you first and to trust in you. Wherever we have allowed anything else, Lord, um, anything else to replace you and to drive our agenda on a daily basis, please forgive us, Lord. And as we usher in a brand new year, we want to uh, reorder our lives and prioritize spending time with you, walking with you, talking with you, relationally growing up in you. Father, I know that there are some that, that uh, are listening this morning that things have not been very merry and bright. But Lord, it doesn't matter what is happening around us, the storm that's raging. What is happening within us can be merry and bright. When we have a personal relationship with you, a son is given, a child is born, is what we're celebrating. And we're so grateful for what you accomplished. And we invite you to make that change in us in Jesus' name. Amen.